0: One topic that isn't always easy to talk about, but so many of my members in Stop Dieting Forever are dealing with it. I can't not talk about it. And that's the topic of grief caused by a death of a loved one. So I decided to invite one of my former clients, Julie Clough, to talk about this sensitive subject. And as you will hear, she is an expert on the topic of grief she was designed and created on this planet to do this work you're listening to the stop dieting forever podcast episode 131 what if it were possible to achieve your goal weight and stay there permanently without dieting This episode is sponsored by the Stop Dieting Forever membership. It's time to get off of the weight loss struggle bus, my friend. Learn how to stop dieting forever and live your healthiest life, no longer in fear of food. Hey, Luxlifer, welcome. I am Jennifer Dent Brown, founder and CEO of Lux Life Coaching, and the creator of the Stop Dieting forever weight loss process. Now, before we jump into today's topic, I just want to warn you, if listening and talking about grief is triggering to you, you may want to listen to this podcast at a time when you're able to absorb everything and you're not doing other things. It's going to be extremely helpful to you if you are in that grief experience right now. But if you're doing something and you know that this topic is triggering, just pause it, turn it off, listen to an old episode, come back to it later. I know you will be helped and changed by listening to Julie. I'm going to tell you who Julie is in just a second. Over the past few episodes, I have been talking specifically on how to handle many of the eating and food challenges that y'all told me that you were struggling with. That, you know, the ones that we face during the holiday season. But one topic that isn't always easy to talk about, but so many of my members in Stop Dieting Forever are dealing with it. I can't not talk about it. And that's the topic of grief caused by a death of a loved one. So I decided to invite one of my former clients, well, she's always my client I always say once you're my client you're always my client so I invited Julie Julie Clough to the podcast to talk about this sensitive subject and as you will hear she is an expert on the topic of grief let me tell you a little bit about her story she shares more in the interview but let me just give you a a preview so in 2007 Julie lost two of her youngest children in a car accident ages 10. And eight. And before that devastating loss, she lost her brother to suicide and went through a divorce from her first husband with three young children at home. These life changing events sent her on a quest to understand grief and, more importantly, to understand the principles of healing. I told Julie, I was like, she was designed and created on this planet to do this work. Fast forward, today, Julie is a grief coach and a trainer. And she's the founder of Build a Life After Loss, offering grief support and training to so many people. In addition, she's a speaker, she's an author and a podcast host. She's developed the hope model of healing and the five foundations of growth to help others through grief and healing. Her book, which I have sent to many of my clients, it's called Miracles in the Darkness and it encourages readers to seek healing and look for the miracles. So do you see why I called Julie into this podcast to talk about this very sensitive topic. Like literally she was created to do this work. And because so many of my members seem to have been affected by untimely deaths, I had them submit their questions in advance of this interview. And the answers that Julie provides, I know, will provide hope for so many of my listeners. So I want you to be sure to listen to the end because Julie's going to share some very timely information about an upcoming four-week mini course that she's offering next month. She's going to talk about who is for and what you will learn in it. But before we get there, I want you to just listen to Julie. Her voice is so soothing. It's so comforting. So just enjoy today's episode. I know you're going to learn a lot about processing grief and sadness while still feeling love. I learned a lot in this interview. And listen, if you're not in the middle of a grief experience, which is what Julie calls it, and you're supporting someone who is grieving, you're going to learn so much. You're going to learn exactly what to say to that person. So enjoy this episode with Julie Clough. All right. I'm super excited to have one of my Lux Lifers, my client, Julie Clough, who's been on the podcast before. We did an interview a while back. I'll have to put the podcast number in the show notes so people can go back and get to know your story and working with me and how you did with the Stop Dieting Forever process. But I always talk about you as being the person who followed a primarily plant-based diet. And still was able to, to release weight, which includes <gasps> carbohydrates. A lot of people are afraid of
1: exactly. <laughs> eating
0: those carbs. But today I want to bring you on and speak to you and highlight your expertise, which is grief. Yes. Which is grief. And I really think this topic is super important, especially around this time of year, around the holidays. I have a really good friend who have known since childhood. And I remember this time last year, she posted something on her Facebook page. Both of her parents had passed. I knew both of her parents. And she posted something on her Facebook page and it just struck me. She's like, everyone else is worrying about holiday cheer and partying and socializing. And she's like, for those of us who are suffering with grief, this is not the happiest time of the year. It just hit me. And I remember I did a post last year and I recommended you and I was like, everybody go get Julie's book. If you're dealing with grief. And so this year I'm like, let's just bring Julie onto the podcast. So we can talk about grief and how to deal with it. There are quite a few members right now. And within the stop dieting forever community who have suffered tragic losses mm. and, I was like, all right, got to bring the expert on. So I reached out to you and you were like, absolutely, 100%, let's do it. So Julie, introduce yourself again to okay. the listeners and maybe the new people who don't know you and tell us, you know, what you do, and who you help. Yeah.
1: yeah, so in a nutshell, I am a grief coach and grief trainer. I developed the Hope Model of Healing and the Five Foundations of Growth to help people understand their grief and the season of grief, and then to understand that healing is possible. I lost my two youngest children in a car accident on Mother's Day, actually, in 2007. And before that, I'd lost my youngest brother to suicide. I'd gone through a divorce from my first husband when I still had three young children at home. And so it was a lot, you know, I've experienced. And and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Those are kind of the big main things that I talk about. But I've had a lot of loss in my life. And it's like my life was set up for me to learn about grief and healing so that I could share it with other people. Actually, I'm finding myself getting really emotional talking about that because it's like it's such a huge mission for me to share that healing is possible because so many people in this day of social media, where messages get amplified and amplified and amplified. So many people believe that healing is not possible for grief. And I understand the reasons that they might feel that way, because whatever we've lost is not coming back. Like life is not gonna go back to the way it was before. So then they think, oh, if it's not gonna go back, then I can't heal because they connect. Things have to look the way they were in order for me to heal. And that's not the case. So yeah, yeah. grief Good. is a season.
0: Grief is a season. And that's what you teach. Because I think like you were saying, people who are in the midst of it don't see it as a season. It's kind of like, this is it. And I I understand, I've talked to many of my clients who are kind of like, this is what happened, and I don't know what to expect tomorrow. I don't know what to expect the next week. I don't know what to expect the next couple of months. Yeah. So because I've had so many members deal with grief and are dealing with grief right now, I thought I would just ask in our group, I told everybody you were coming, And I was like, what questions do y'all have for Julie? And we can talk about them on the podcast. So let's do it. I have my own questions, but I think hearing the questions from the people who are dealing with it's going to be helpful and beneficial for everyone. Yeah, for sure. This is the first question. How do you deal with the friends of your loved one who want to continuously revisit
1: the circumstances around the death? What do you say to that? Okay. So there's two pieces to this, right? There's the one piece where we need to clearly communicate. I appreciate that you want to talk about this, but I'm not in a place where I want to talk about this right now. So that's the first piece, right? It's just clearly communicating in a kind way. You know, this might be helpful to you, but right now it's not helpful to me. And I'd rather not talk about it and just let it be. But the other side of that, is dealing with the fact that they may not be happy about your response. Yeah. And being able to just tell ourselves that it's okay for us to feel differently than they feel. It's okay for us to not engage in that conversation, even if they want to put pressure on us to engage in that conversation. So if just telling people lovingly that we don't want to have that conversation, doesn't end the conversation, then we get to choose what we're going to do. We don't get to choose what other people do, right? Right. Right. So we get to choose what we're going to do.
0: Almost like just giving ourselves permission to say, thank you, but no,
1: thank you. I don't want to talk about
0: this right now and being okay with whatever their reaction is.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And if they're not okay with it and they they keep putting pressure on you to talk about it or they keep bringing it up, then you excuse yourself. Yeah. And say, "I'm sorry, I need to go now." I think that's such an
0: important skill because I teach how to stop dieting forever. <laughs> it just makes me think of also around the holidays, people like to push their desire for you to eat on them. Like here, eat this, try this. I made this for you. And there's like, eat, 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 eat. And all of these things that you don't want to indulge in are presented to you. So again, I think it's kind of like that same thought process of believing in yourself enough and just saying, you know what, it's okay for me to say, no, thank you in this moment. It may make me feel uncomfortable for a minute, but I'm willing to feel uncomfortable for that minute by saying, no, thank you versus, Having to sit there and talk to this person about circumstances I don't want to talk about anymore or eat the food that I don't want to eat.
1: Yeah, so. absolutely. And it is the skill set is so intertwined, isn't it? And mm-hmm. I found in my own food journey that when I became totally comfortable with my choices, then all it took was a no thank you. Yeah. But before I was totally comfortable with my food choices, there was a lot of drama in my no thank you. There was a lot of no thank you because of this and this and this and this and yeah, you thought I need like this explain, right? and all this explanation. But like we hear in a lot of different places, no thank you is a complete sentence. Yes, N-O is a complete yes. sentence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't
0: even have to say thank you. This No. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true.
0: Okay, so let's talk about this next question: the holidays, right? So, someone asked, if this is the first holiday without your loved one, do you have any suggestions or thoughts on how to navigate all of the emotions? That's like a multi-layered question.
1: Oh, we could spend a whole episode talking about this, but I think just in general, it's again giving ourselves permission, it's giving yourself permission to be right where you are. Allowing yourself to feel the hurt, to feel the sorrow, to feel the sadness and to be okay with it, which is hard. But one of the things that adds pain on top of the pain Mm -hmm. is not giving ourselves permission to be in pain, to feel somehow shamed or guilty about being in pain. And I think the first few months, the first year even we're better at giving ourselves permission to feel sad and giving ourselves space. Because
0: it's more accepted, right? People right. expecting you to feel sad, yeah.
1: hmm But then we get to a certain point where we start to feel like, oh my goodness, I should be a different way. And anytime you hear yourself saying, I should be mm-hmm. different, I should be better, you're basically what you're doing is shaming yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That makes me think of just an example. Traditionally, you go to someone's house for dinner, or maybe you're hosting, and maybe you've just experienced a loss, and you don't feel like doing that normal tradition. And your thought is like, I should show up for my family. I should go to this dinner. I should cook dinner for everyone and still invite everybody else over. How would you tell that person that's like, but it's the the tradition. It's like, it's the thing that I'm supposed to do every single year. What would you tell them?
1: Well, I would just say, if you are in the hospital, in the ICU, would you still feel the same pressure to Mm -hmm. do those things? (laughs) Good point. So equate your emotional pain with physical pain, because in a lot of ways, It's that expectation and it's that acceptability. And it's acceptable when we have a major physical challenge. It's acceptable to back off a little, give ourselves space for healing. Mm -hmm. We should give ourselves the same acceptance of emotional pain and the same space for emotional pain that we give to physical pain. Oh, that's so good.
0: That is so good. Because really grief does physically hurt. It does. Yeah, it does yeah. physically
1: hurt. And what's hard again is like what you said a minute ago was so good. It's just, this is acceptable. So I can do this because it's acceptable, mm-hmm. but I can't do this because it's not acceptable. Well, who gets to decide what's acceptable? The answer is you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get to decide. Yeah. So if it's not acceptable to you, then it's not acceptable. If it doesn't feel right for you, yeah. that's what I was going right. to ask. Cuz our brains
0: will be like, will tell us, "No, no, 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 we got to do the thing." But it really is that feeling like if it does feel unsettling for you to,
1: you know,
0: say yes, everybody come over for dinner, like normal, then that's the clue right there yeah. that it's not acceptable.
1: Well, there's a lot of pain between the expectations of the holiday and what we're feeling. In our mind, we think that everybody else is having a beautiful, happy, cheerful holiday. Mm -hmm. And then to see ourselves in this space of, I'm not having a beautiful, happy, glorious holiday, adds pain to the pain. It's all these little things like the the expectations and the what should I's and what shouldn't I's and so forth that create additional pain for ourselves. But what if we just allow what is?
0: Mm, That's so good. And that could differ from day to day.
1: Definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. So if it feels correct to say yes to an invitation, Mm -hmm. say yes to the invitation and then show up the way you are don't feel like you have to show up a certain way. And then if you're having a hard day, but you still want to go to that luncheon with your friends, then you show up and you say, you know what? Today is kind of a hard day, but it's going to be okay. You just let them know today I'm having a hard day, but it's okay. I'm happy to be here with you guys.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love just that simple Positioning, right? Of like, this is how I'm feeling right now mentally. Because I think sometimes people are uncomfortable with your grief and oh yeah, for sure. Your levels of grief, if you will. So I think someone asked the question, what would you say to people who ask you why the holidays are still so difficult for you? And I I know who submitted this question, the death that happened for her years ago. I think it was one or two years ago. And so people still want to know. Why is it so difficult for you? But I think really it's a reflection of like, why is her grief difficult for them to see, right? Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think that's the challenge, isn't it? And I actually heard somebody uh, mention recently, said something along the lines of, it's hard enough to deal with our own grief, much less have to educate everybody else on our grief. Yeah. And that's where I think we get to understand that it's important for us to understand our experience and for us to validate our own experience. And we don't need, okay, this is a really important piece. We don't need other people to understand or validate in order for it to be valid. Yeah.
0: Tell me how you help someone understand their grief. I mean, I've shared this with you before, but like I've talked to clients, I've coached them on grief. I am not an expert. I'm always sending them your book. And by the way, Julie has written a book. We'll link all of that up in the show notes. But I think it's important that people understand what that grief is like and not. So tell us how you work with people to help them understand what they're experiencing is normal and why?
1: Well, it's a step-by-step process, and it's totally enlightening, because if you think about it, if you go to a new country, you don't know the language, your experience is unsettling at best, right? You're trying to navigate this new place. You've moved to a foreign country. You don't know where anything is. You don't know how to communicate with any of the people. That's what grief is and add sadness on top of it. Mm. Because it's completely foreign to people and everything they've been taught about grief, 80% of it is not accurate. So if you think you know what grief is, chances are you don't.
0: I'm like grief and sadness aren't the same thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But the way that we interact with it the things that we've been taught, like people need to be left alone or just work harder and keep yourself busy and that time will heal. Like if you just work really hard and distract yourself with all your work and you don't pay any attention to it and you just let time, just let time do its business. But none of that's accurate. Mm. You know, just distracting ourselves with eating, for example. Eating was a big way that I dealt with my own grief is I indulged in a lot of eating because eating suppresses the vibration in our body. It's a distraction. You know, we talk about comfort food, right? All these distractions are just distractions. They don't actually help us heal. Yeah. They can help us in the moment. So if you're one of the people like me, if you're one of those that have used food as a distraction or a way to deal with stress and grief and all the other hard emotions of life, then thank yourself for getting through it and the way that you could in that moment yeah. and then learn new patterns and new choices. Yeah. There's so much to really understanding what the grief experience is. Most of my clients, when I first start working with them, are very much in the suppressing grief stage. They're in the, let's just bury this. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing. So many people now will tell you, especially like where I lost children, it's prevalent in that community to tell people that they'll grieve forever. And if we tell people they're gonna grieve forever, then what are their options? Their options are to pretend like they're not grieving and to bury the pain. Because in order to show up in life, I've got to act like I'm not in pain. And I've got to bury it. And I've got to learn how to carry it for the rest of my life.
0: But that's not true. You're saying that grieving comes to an end?
1: Yeah. But it doesn't feel like it in the middle. And so that's why we believe... When people say you'll grieve forever, Mm -hmm. we believe it because it's so painful in the moment. We can't imagine it not lasting forever. Even at the beginning of this year, I had COVID for the first time and I got really sick for a day. And then for like a week, I had no energy to do anything. I wasn't Mm -hmm. motivated to do anything. All I could do was rest and try to regain. But in the middle of that week, I was like, am I ever gonna have motivation again? Am I ever going to feel like doing anything again? And that was one week mm-hmm. and grief can last months. And so in the middle, we start questioning whether or not it's even possible yeah, to heal the pain.
0: That's so good. When you're grieving, it's almost like your vision for the future is cut off. It is it's like time to stand still in that moment.
1: Yeah. And especially because not only do we have that, heavy sadness that's just unrelenting but everything has changed mm. and so the vision for the future that we had before may not be what we want anymore
0: yeah,
1: yeah. i mean that was definitely the case for me yeah because you lost that
0: child yeah too. Mm-hmm. and how old were they
1: david was eight and carrie was ten and I was homeschooling my kids at the time too. And so life turned completely upside down. And that's that's the way a loss is. It just shatters everything that we know up until that point. It's like all goes in pieces on the ground. And we have to take those pieces. We have to rethink what is our new truth? What is our new understanding? And recreate from there.
0: It sounds so difficult. It sounds so hard to try to do that on your own.
1: Oh, it's hugely challenging. Yeah. And without the understanding, that's why I say like so many of my clients that come to me, they're just in a place of, okay, like I've taken all of this really hard stuff, this really hard emotion and I'm putting it over here mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm shutting the door on it over here. So now how do I move forward? And so they're looking at it as that is the way we have to do it. But actually we have to open the door and invite the grief in Mm -hmm. and allow it to move through us so that we're not trapping it in every cell of our body.
0: Yeah. Acknowledging all the emotions. Absolutely. Because like you were saying, people use food to buffer. They don't want to numb. They don't want to feel the uncomfortable emotion. They don't want to feel the negative emotion food, junk food, sugary, carbs, all the things, alcohol, like immediate gratification, right? You feel pleasure immediately and it is a lovely distraction. But at the end of the day, you wake up, you're bloated, you're tired, you're hungover, you don't have enough energy and the grief is still there.
1: Exactly. The is still there. Exactly. And I think one of the challenges is that we look at the pain of a divorce, or the pain of losing someone we love, or the pain of abuse, or grief is all the emotion that comes with loss, mm-hmm. whether it's from divorce, or death, or abuse, or some other situation, or even the expectations that we had for our life that haven't happened. You know, we grieve that. So it's all that emotion, and we tend to look at it as a divorce so we look at the whole big event and go, how in the world can I move through the pain of this big event? And I equate it to like a boulder, like the boulder of grief. Mm -hmm. Boulder of grief, we might call death. We, We might call divorce. We might call abuse. We might call health challenges. That's the big boulder. And if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you've ever been hiking and you come across the boulder that's only this big, and you try to move it, mm-hmm. it ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not happening. No matter how strong I am. Yeah, exactly. It would take 50 people you know, to get behind that boulder and move it. So it's really, that's part of the hope model of healing is how do we discover the pieces within that boulder? Because that boulder is not really one big thing. Mm-hmm. It's pebbles and sand mm-hmm. and rocks. And so we do a discovery process where we discover what the pain points are within the big boulder hmm. so that we can release it piece by piece instead of trying to push a whole boulder.
0: Are the pain points that you're discovering are those thoughts essentially?
1: Yeah, a lot of it is thoughts. <laughs> There's a lot of thoughts that and create beliefs. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of beliefs, a lot of thoughts that create additional pain. Like even believing that we just have to learn how to carry the the grief is a thought that's not accurate. So we need to connect to some truth. Mm -hmm. But grief is even beyond thoughts. It's a letting go process of what was to what is.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, I've coached high power multi-million dollar coaches who have all the thought practices in their pocket Mm -hmm. and can't figure out their grief Mm -hmm. because it's a different animal but thought work is hugely helpful in the process yeah it's an important skill to have for sure yeah because we have the loss and we have the grief right because of the loss but all the thoughts that we have around it can create additional pain. Like the the thought that that I should get up and run, you know, after this thing has happened, I should put on the holiday dinner. I should do this. I should do that. I Mm -hmm. should do all the gift giving and everything that I've always done in the past. That's creating additional pain.
0: Even the fact that you just kind of separated loss and grief and sadness is like three different buckets. I think for a lot of people, it's just one big glob. It's that boulder, right? It is hard to, that these are all different things that happen. There's a circumstance there's your feelings about it and then all the other stuff, like what people have to say and then what you think you should be doing. So oh, yeah, a I lot a, to
1: unpack. It is a lot to unpack. And I spent a lot of time coaching on relationships because relationships mm-hmm. shift in loss and grief. But if you really want to have your mind blown... <laughs> Separating loss and grief because the loss still exists, but we can move through the grief. So we have to look at those as two separate things. But the other thing is love is separate from grief. Mm. And people want to equate those things. So when someone we love dies, a pet, a friend, a mother, a sister, a child, we start to equate. And there are so many thoughts around this. Mm-hmm. I think there's even books called Grief is Love, but it's not. If you look up in the dictionary, the definition of grief, mm-hmm. prolonged sadness, and the definition of love, which is that those feelings of attachment in a relationship, right? Those are two separate things. If we look at logic, A plus B equals C. If we do a equals B, B equals C, then therefore A equals C. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't do that with love and grief. They're two separate things. And in the pain of it all, we start to equate them. So then we have more trouble moving through the, the pain, letting go of the grief because we think in our mind, if we let go of the grief, we're letting go of the love. We lo- we're losing the love, yeah. yeah. So I'm getting way into the weeds here.
0: <laughs> no, I think it's really important. These are things that most people don't think about, especially yeah. if when you're not in the grieving process, you certainly don't think about it. And when you're in the grief process, you're definitely not thinking about it. You're experiencing it,
1: right? Yeah, you're experiencing Before. it. And if you're following you know, 90% of grief accounts on social media, they're gonna give you messages that grief is love and that grief lasts forever and all those painful thoughts that we don't have to attach to.
0: What's the message between, because I was just thinking about this as you were talking, someone who experiences a tragic death, like totally not expected versus, you know, someone may have been sick and you're expecting them to pass. Are there different ways to deal with those two different circumstances or at the end of the day, basically, is it the same thing?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Grief is grief, right? And we can compare our own grief experiences in our life, but it's not helpful or advisable to compare our grief mm-hmm. with someone else's grief. Mm-hmm. But when we have an expected loss, when somebody's very ill and we know it's their last days and then they die, we have a grief experience before they die. Mm-hmm. So we're already going through the grief before it actually happens. And then when it happens, we go through another phase of grief. So the grief is is there from the moment of the expectation of a loss. And then it continues through the process of letting go of the pain.
0: As soon as you have that awareness that someone's going to die or you have the awareness that someone did die. It's like, that's the trigger to start the grief process.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're basically, you're like, what was versus what is. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. The expectation versus the new reality of what is.
0: What would you say to someone who is supporting, well, family member, right? So someone's, daughter's family member, her I think her daughter's brother-in-law tragically killed. And she wants to know how to support her child. And not like a little child, it's like a grown child, her daughter's married. How do you support that person who is experiencing the grief in their family?
1: Well, I think the most important thing that we do when we support people in grief is that we Allow them their emotions. Mm -hmm. So I think in our discomfort of other people's emotions, we try to talk them out of them. Yes, we say things like, "We'll be grateful for this." Like, "Yeah, this happened, but look at all this over here—that's so good." Mm -hmm. Or we say things like, "They're in a better place." All these things are platitudes to try to. Talk them out of their emotions. So instead of offering things, and we all do it and it's okay, but it, if we can be in a space of just allowing that it's hard and mm-hmm. listening and saying, Yeah, I can't imagine how hard that is for you. And that gives them space and permission, not that we need to give them permission, but in giving them permission, we're supporting them. giving them permission to feel what they're feeling. And when I say, not that we have to give them permission, like if we could tell everybody they have permission to feel what they're feeling, right? Regardless of who validates it or not, regardless of who understands or not, but as someone supporting someone, giving them that space, recognizing that we're going to be In my book, I even talk about it. It's kind of like, you know, if we're at the epicenter of an earthquake Mm -hmm. and our house, our home, our life has been disrupted in a rubble and our friends that live five miles away that weren't as impacted, you know, maybe they felt the shaking of the house or 20 miles away or whatever. And they know that we're in the rubble, but every day they're getting up and driving to work and taking their kids to school and doing their normal things. They're not going to be as impacted as the person in the epicenter. Yeah. So, if you're in the middle of a loss, if it's your daughter, if it's your husband, if it's your marriage, you know, that there's a loss, mm-hmm. you're going to feel it so much more than the people on the outside. So, if we're the people on the outside supporting, we have to recognize that their experience is so much more intense than you can even imagine. Yeah. I wrote a whole book about it. And I can tell you, there are no words to describe the devastation of losing a child. And it's a reason why people say, you'll never get over it. Mm -hmm. But I'm here having experienced that devastation, having sat in the rubble saying, even though you're sitting in the rubble, you can still build a wonderful, beautiful life Without carrying the pain forward forever. When did you
0: think you had that realization? From thinking about one client in particular who lost a child. I don't even want to say how long did it take you because I don't want people to compare. Like, oh, only well, took Julie this long, and I'm it's yeah. taking me longer. I guess when was that moment that you realized, like, oh, I'm done grieving. My grieving season is over.
1: Yeah, I go into all of that in the book. It's hard to describe. I really had an interesting experience early in my grief because I had lost my brother, because I had gone through a divorce. I had some understanding of the healing process Mm -hmm. and I knew it was gonna take time and it was gonna take effort for me to move through that. And in those early days, I remember having that hope that somehow, even though this was like, even more just impactful losing my kids. I mean, it's unimaginable. I had that sliver of hope that there was a way to move through, there was a way to rebuild life. But in the middle of it, you know, as life went on, there was a time period where it got harder. And I really went into a place of deep despair. And I thought, Life is never going to be okay again. It's just never going to be okay again. And I had some very spiritual experiences and a miracle that happened that brought me out of that deep hole in a matter of hours. And, you know, when I first felt that impression that I should share my story and share about grief healing... I thought, well, you know, everyone's not going to have this miraculous experience. Like, how do I share that? It was in the process of writing my book that I realized that I had that experience so that I could more powerfully share that healing is possible. And it doesn't have to look like mine looked like for it to happen. And I have clients all the time that I work with that Years later, they write me and they say, I had no idea that life could look so wonderful like it does now. In the middle of my grief, I had no idea Mm -hmm. that That this was possible.
0: The goosebumps when you were saying that you had that spiritual awakening when you were in your grief. And my first thought was because you have to come out of it to share your story to help all these other people. Yeah. That was like my initial thought when you said that.
1: It's why I was born on the planet, Jennifer. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: It's why I'm I here. mean,
0: just like listening to you, your voice is so soothing. It's so calm. Like, I just admire you so much for, first of all, the amount of work that you've done on yourself to be able to heal yourself. And then the amount of work that you have done to learn how to create a business. And how to coach other people and how to help other people. It takes a lot of dedication. So I just want to hats off to you. I'm so
1: happy that our paths crossed. Thank you. I am too. I'll never forget. I think I shared this in the last podcast. We were in a coaching group together. Mm -hmm. And we were all kind of sharing. I think the beginnings of this group and we were all sharing what we do. And I felt like weight loss was that last hurdle that I just could not like, here I've done all this work and I've been through these really challenging things in my life, which I only share a portion of it, you know. but I've been through all these challenging things in my life and I lived this really good life but I couldn't figure out the weight piece. And I couldn't figure out because of my, and the podcast we did before, the episode we did before, I talk about some of my health challenges that have created some challenges in my weight, but there was a lot of thought error going on, right? But I'll never forget being in that coaching group and seeing you and hearing you talk. And I went, okay, I need to reach out to Jennifer. (laughs) She's got answers for me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I don't even remember I was like this is just you know I wasn't like selling I wasn't no you weren't no you were, yeah, just, we were just in the group like you know we were there to, to learn the same things it's so funny and then you reached out to me and I was like yeah let's hop on the phone talk about it yeah how can I help you yeah and fast forward good. here we are
1: here we are it's a good thing
0: yeah let me just see there's one other question I think you kind of touched on it a little bit About grieving for a pet. And it's not different. She asked, is grief for a pet different? And she said, it sure doesn't feel like it.
1: No, it's not. Yeah. Our grief is impacted by the impact of the relationship in our life. Yeah. So the greater the impact of the relationship, the greater the impact of the grief. Yeah. And I've coached people who have lost pets. And that has been, you know, it was a huge challenge for them. I can't imagine. I can't imagine
0: my life without my little baby.
1: All right. I lost (laughs) my dog. I actually lost my little multi-poo at the end of February.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that.
1: Yeah, it was super sad and really unexpected. She became ill and it was obvious she wasn't doing well. And then we got the news that things weren't looking good. And she wasn't going to last too much longer. And so, you know, and that's where you have that grief in the process of watching her deteriorate. And then it finally came to a point where we had to take her to the vet and do the things that we have to do when we lose a pet. And the the interesting thing was at the time I thought, I will at some point want a dog again. Mm -hmm. And then about a month later, a dog found me. That's how things happen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have this adorable little golden doodle.
0: Oh. So, yeah. What's really her name? It. Is it a boy or girl?
1: Yeah, it's a boy. We call him Coco. Coco. Yeah.
0: So. All right. Well, I will just leave it on that happy note. Coco is here. All is well with the world.
1: All is good, yes. Yeah, but for
0: people who want to to learn more about this grieving experience and how you help, tell us where people can find you, tell us the name of your book, what you're offering, how they can work with you.
1: Awesome, yeah. So the name of the book is Miracles in the Darkness. It's available on Amazon. And the best way, go to the website, buildalifeafterloss.com buildalifeafterloss.com and get on the mailing list because I think when this airs, we're very soon launching a mini course. It's a four-week mini course. It's a deal. It's a bargain. It's going to be amazing. And it will help you kind of step by step in four weeks. We go through four different phases of grief and learning and understanding at a deeper level. So,
0: I love it. So, that would be applicable for people who have experienced death, people who are supporting people who have experienced death. And if I dare say, it doesn't have to be a fresh death, right? It could no experience yeah. loss years ago.
1: Absolutely. I've worked with people who experienced a loss. A month ago, all the way to it's been over 10 years Mm. and they realize it's still impacting them. Another great place to stay connected is on Facebook at Build a Life After Loss with Julie Clough. There's a private group. That's the best place. There's a page, but I really recommend you go to the private group. We do some, if it's okay to say fun activities in there. (laughs) Of course. I do some fun things where we do some challenges. I do videos in there. I answer questions. We did a card pull recently for the month of November where we pulled emotions. I pulled emotion cards for everybody that wanted one and we did activities around those. So go there, but definitely get on the mailing list so you know all the things. And I'm on Instagram too, at build a life after loss. So just remember build a life after loss and you're doing good. (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we will put all the links in the show notes. So even if you're listening to this and the date has passed and the challenge has passed or that you can still find Julie, get on her list and see what she's doing now,
1: yep, yep, always, always good day. new things. super excited about twenty twenty three and all the things that we're offering. and. We're doing a lot of training for professionals and coaches and grief so that they have more understanding when they're working with clients. We're doing all kinds of amazing things. So
0: yeah, and you I didn't even say you're like a world-renowned speaker. You travel all over the place, talking and teaching and doing your thing. Yeah, I love it. So super proud of you. And Uh I'm glad we're able to connect so quickly, like idea and implementation, boom, it happened.
1: It happened. Yeah. Thanks for reaching out. finally connected.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, it was great talking to you and I will see you soon. Thank you. So just as Julie mentioned in the podcast, the Stop Dieting Forever process helped her release weight, I think about 30 pounds. But more importantly than the weight, she created a relationship with food that is supporting her health. Again, this process, the Stop Dieting Forever process is different from any other diet because it is custom to you, your body, your genetics, your DNA, your gut biome, your brain. And not only will you learn how to hear what your body is telling you, I'm gonna help you get to the root cause of your overeating habits. So look, we don't do restriction and deprivation after a holiday meal because we ate too much. No, I'm going to teach you how to eat intentionally and not emotionally. And that's for every meal, not just the holiday meals, but for every meal. If you're still eating those Thanksgiving leftovers, I want to teach you how to eat intentionally and not emotionally. You've got some emotions tied to that macaroni and cheese left in the refrigerator, right? So that is my promise to you when you become a member of Stop Dieting Forever. It's literally the best place on the internet to learn how to lose weight for good. Go to jenniferdent.com, stop dieting forever for all the details. You can see all the client testimonials and learn how to lose weight for the last time. All right, y'all. Live lux, and I will see you in the next episode. If you liked today's episode of the Stop Dieting Forever podcast, and you want to learn more about creating a lifestyle instead of following a diet to lose weight permanently, be sure to visit JenniferDent.com. There, you'll learn more about my unique weight loss process and how it can work for you. Go to JenniferDent.com to discover what you can do to stop dieting forever.